What's that mysterious ticking noise? <laughs> Dumbledore. Snake. Ron. Welcome to Lumos Maxima, the Rolling Library Podcast. My name is Demi Schwartz, a Hufflepuff. My name is Jessica Minecci, a Ravenclaw. It's time to turn on the light because Hogwarts is about to welcome you home. Hey everybody, welcome to our third episode of Lumos Maxima. We are so excited to welcome the old listeners and welcome new listeners. Yes, we are very, very excited to be back. And you guys, if you don't follow us on social, our Twitter and Instagram is at Lumos Maxima Cast. And our Facebook page is Lumos Maxima, the Rolling Library Podcast. So we'd love to see you on social. And we've had such a great response on social again after our second episode. And just has a very special shout out to one of our Facebook fans. I would like to give a very special shout out to Madison Hayes on Facebook. She has been super supportive and has messaged both me and Demi to tell us how much she loves our episode. So thanks so much, Maddie, and we appreciate you. Now let's get into our third episode. I'm very stoked about this topic. It is Ron Weasley Conspiracy Theories. And we have a very special guest, my friend Amy. She's going to tell you guys a little bit about her wizarding profile. Hey friends, happy quarantine. I hope everyone's doing okay. Um, My house is Hufflepuff. Um, My wand is applewood with unicorn core unicorn hair core um it's 11 inches and it's slightly yielding flexibility my patronus is a mole i love it (laughs) Um, (laughs) my my favorite character is um nymphadora tonks uh, yes. I love I love her so much. My oh, main my gosh, reason, uh, my main reason for loving her though, is because like not only is she kind and she's curious and she's lovable and all the things that Hufflepuff should be, but she also knows how to kick butt when she needs to, both yep. mentally and physically. <laughs> and yes, I think that's just order. yes. She's a metamorph just, Magus. Yeah. Yes. I mm-hmm. I and I her. just I just think that she's just like the perfect like woman character that we need mm-hmm. in this time mm-hmm. you know yeah and my favorite book is uh prisoner of azkaban because Which is my time favorite tra- book yes <laughs> time traveling is like amazing <laughs> there's oh i love that whole book is like to me the first time we actually see like a deep understanding of a whole bunch of characters not just mm-hmm. harry potter and his friends mm-hmm. but everyone else involved in the situation which i think Mm -hmm. is amazing um my favorite hogwarts class is herbology um this one goes a little bit deeper for me because i took a botany class when i was in high school and yeah and it was really cool and i it made me love plants and i feel like because i took that botany class i would love to take an herbology class i think that would be Mm -hmm. fun 
And yep. once again, we have two Hufflepuffs on the podcast. What are you going to oh, do about Jess? Jeez. <laughs> oh, I'm always outnumbered. It's not fair. Hufflepuff power, my dude. Yeah, literally, Hufflepuffs are the best. Come on. Who wouldn't want a Hufflepuff bestie? We're the nice ones. We're right. loyal. Like, uh, who wouldn't want the Hufflepuff crew to just, like, be their crew? <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> So Amy's going to come back in our Tales of Magic and Mischief segment to dive super deep into wrong conspiracy theories. But now we have a recap of the latest issue of the Rolling Library magazine. Let's take a glimpse into the articles in the latest issue of the Rolling Library magazine. The April issue of the Rolling Library magazine, which is issue number 40, is available now. You can check this out on therollinglibrary.com. So let's take a look at the articles in this issue. We have an article called Dumbledore Tweets. Recently, J.K. Rowling returned to Twitter during the COVID-19 crisis, and she's been more active than ever before. Some of her tweets are much like Dumbledore's speeches in the later books, so it appears that Dumbledore is running her account. I think this is hilarious, so you should totally read the article. We also have an article called Cheers to the Troublemakers-in-Chief. The time Fred and George Weasley were crowned the Kings of Mischief. This is my Character of the Month article, and because Fred and George were born on April Fool's Day, I wanted to highlight their best jokes, pranks, and mischievous moments. Next, I want to shout out my co-host, because she has her very first ever article in the Rolling Library magazine. It is a review of the Tales of Beetle the Bard audiobook. So you guys should go and definitely read this one in particular and show your favorite Ravenclaw some extra love. Oh my gosh, you're so nice. (laughs) (laughs) But, okay, can we talk about the audiobook real quick? Because I thought it was awesome. What was your favorite story? I don't know. It's a tie between The Hopping Pot and um, The Fountain of Fair Fortune. (gasps) Me too! Me too. I feel like I really like the the moral of the story in the Fountain of Fair Fortune, but the hopping pot one was just hilarious. The words in the hopping pot was so funny. You couldn't have said it better because that's exactly how I felt, and I loved it so much. It was so cute. You could just hear the hopping. Yeah. Oh my God, it was so cute. <laughs> There's an article in here called. How to be a good wizard or muggle. Do the Harry Potter books propose guidelines for living? Yes. This is an awesome article because it has 10 pieces of life advice from different characters based on their own perspectives and experiences. Finally, we have a book review of The Secret Diary of Lizzie Bennet by Bernie Sue. As always, there's a Wizarding World crossword puzzle in here and the quote by Joe. Jess, do you want to read that for us? Joe says there are only two characters that you can put it convincingly into their dialogue. One is Hermione, the other is Dumbledore. In both cases, you accept it's plausible that they have, well, Dumbledore knows pretty much everything anyway, but that Hermione has read it somewhere, so she's handy. So I love this quote, and I think it goes super well with one of the theories that we're going to be talking about later on, but that's all on that for now, because it's time to get into the quote for this episode on Ron Weasley. It's time for Quick Quote Corner. The quote for this episode comes from Chapter 16 of The Prisoner of Azkaban called Professor Trelawney's Prediction. 
This is the part when Harry and Ron are taking their divination final exam. For the exam, they're asked to gaze into crystal balls. Finally, after about 20 minutes, Ron's large feet reappeared on the ladder. How'd it go? Harry asked him, standing up. Rubbish, said Ron. Couldn't see a thing. So, I made some stuff up. Don't think she was convinced, though. This quote is significant because Harry and Ron think that this is a rubbish class, and they spend the whole time joking around. Even Hermione walked out of the class to everyone's utter amazement. In Ron's final exam, he's asked to tell the professor what he sees in the crystal ball. We are not told what he sees or if what he sees actually comes true. This is grounds for one of the fan theories that Ron is actually a seer. We will be talking about this theory in Tales of Magic and Mischief later in the podcast. That is such a cool theory, and the quote gesture does an awesome job setting the stage for our discussion to come. So keep your inner eyes open. But now, Polly is here with Wizarding News! Hey, it's Polly, our owl. She's bringing us to Wizarding News in the Muggle World. Thank you, Polly, for this Wizarding News. Let's see what she brought us. There are two very awesome additions to Harry Potter at home. First, if you have an Alexa device, you can say, Alexa, read Harry Potter book one, and she will read Sorcerer's Stone for free. This feature opened up on April 15th, and it runs through April 30th. That's coming up super quickly, so if you haven't read Sorcerer's Stone in a while, just ask Alexa, and she will read it for you. Second, you can now explore the British Library's Harry Potter, A History of Magic Expedition online. The exhibition unveiled ancient books, manuscripts, and magical objects in the British Library's collection that capture folklore and magic, which is at the heart of the Harry Potter series. The online curation includes a lot of fantastic things, including the Ripley Scroll, which is an ancient manuscript that sets the ingredients for the elixir of life. You can also flip through ancient spell books and watch videos that give insight into the exhibition. Also, you can see Jim Kay's beautiful artwork and read a rare interview with the illustrator. If you're an animal lover, you can explore lots of different magical creatures. Also, you can read early notes and sketches from J.K. Rowling while she was creating the Wizarding World we all know and love. And this is extremely exciting. There's a section on here called How to Study Like a Wizard, where you can learn all about the history of the classes at Hogwarts through a fantastic exhibit. If you want to check all of this awesomeness out, head over to artandculture.google slash project slash harry hyphen potter hyphen a hyphen history hyphen of hyphen magic. My last piece of wizarding news is that Bloomsbury unveiled the covers for the Hogwarts House editions of Order of the Phoenix. Levi Pinfold, who is an Australian artist, illustrated the covers for the first four editions of the Hogwarts House series, and now he's back for round five with Order of the Phoenix. Each cover has the house crest on it, which includes tiny details from the fifth book. This edition of Order of the Phoenix is now available for pre-order on Bloomsbury's website. Also, if you pre-order it, you get a free pocket-sized house notebook, which is awesome. And this book comes out in June. And now let's go to Jess, who has some Harry Potter conspiracy and Ron Weasley news. Hey guys, I'm here with some conspiracy theory news. So y'all might be wondering, when did these conspiracy theories start? Well, there was 1,078 days between the publication of Goblet of Fire and Order of the Phoenix. 
this was prime time for people to start making up conspiracy theories. People started posting their conspiracy theories on sites like The Leaky Cauldron and MuggleNet. In 2009, after Deathly Hollows was released, people had more time to create fan theories. At this time, J.K. Rowling started answering questions on Twitter. Then, in 2012, Pottermore, now called Wizarding World, was launched, and fans are now rewarded with more information than ever before. Now, I'm going to tell you guys some information about our favorite gender, Ron Weasley. <laughs> what? That was so perfect, but I wasn't expecting it. Ron Billius Weasley was born on March 1st, 1980 in Ottery St. Catchpole, Devon, England. His parents are Molly and Arthur Weasley. Ron is the sixth child and has five older brothers, Bill, Charlie, Percy, and the twins, Fred and George. He also has a younger sister, Jenny Weasley. Let's talk about what Ron looks like. Ron is six feet tall with red hair, blue eyes, and, of course, freckles. Like the rest of his siblings, he is a Gryffindor, and he is a pureblood. Ron is known for being kind and loyal. His two best friends are the boy who lived, Harry Potter, and the brightest witch of her age, Hermione Granger. He spent six years at Hogwarts, where he was keeper on the Gryffindor Quidditch team and a prefect. After he left Hogwarts, he helped Harry and Hermione hunt for Horcruxes. Ron fought in the Second Wizarding War, in the Battle of the Department of Mysteries, the Battle of the Astronomy Tower, and the Battle of Hogwarts. And finally, Ron had two romantic relationships in his life. In his sixth year, he dated Lavender Brown, and later he married Hermione Granger. They had two children together, Rose and Hugo. Now that we got fantastic news on both conspiracy theories and Ron, let's put them both together for our Tales of Magic and Mischief segment with our guest, Amy. Now it's time to dive into the book topic of the week for Tales of Magic and Mischief. So it's Ron Weasley, conspiracy theory time. Who's ready to talk about this? Gingers! I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) So... First off, we're going to start with a theory that Ron is actually a seer. And before we get into specific examples from the book that helps support this, I just want to give a little overview of what a seer is. So a seer is a witch or wizard who has the gift of the inner eye, which means that they can see into the future. And seers are the ones that predict prophecies, and these are recorded and stored in the Hall of Prophecy in the Department of Mysteries in the Ministry of Magic. In Prisoner of Azkaban, Professor McGonagall tells the third years that seers are very rare, And then Dumbledore tells Harry later on that seeing into the future is extremely difficult because of the complexity of every single action and their consequences. So I think that's all very interesting. And also centaurs are seers, but their way of doing divination is much different than humans. So speaking of divination, we have some examples from the books that support that Ron is a seer directly from divination class and his divination homework. First, before I get into this, can we just talk a little bit about divination? First of all, I feel like divination is kind of like the arts for us. Like you either have it or you don't. Like it's like a gift. Like if you can play piano, if you can sing, if you can paint, if you can dance, like 
that's a gift. Divination is a gift. And making them literally read tea leaves on their first day of class is like somebody walking into a piano lesson for the first time without ever playing piano before and your teacher being like, yo, can you just sit down and play a Mozart sonata right now? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I'd so be down, though. <laughs> yeah, but, like, don't do you, do you, like, I, I get, like, like, I feel like their divination class could be more of just, like, the theory behind it, like, yeah. learning about the different branches rather than actually doing it. Because if you don't have the inner eye to see into the future, like, you're not going to do good in that class. No, but you can enjoy it because you get to drink tea all day. <laughs> but, okay, uh, let me just say, like, Emily I don't say, like tea, a... so... Oh, man, that's a downside, then. <laughs> I just don't think it's fair that they're being forced to read tea leaves on the first day of class without even having, like, a class about what divination is. No, I totally get that. Like, yeah. I would feel like that's a little bit unfair. Although, mm. if I was if I was forced to take that class, I would just be like, well, I'm just going to drink tea the entire time during this class because <laughs> that's my only happiness <laughs> here. So, like, so, I mean, <sighs> I I would feel uncomfortable in the class because I would have no idea what I was doing. That's exactly but, it, yeah. So, they're in divination class, and they drink their tea, and... Trelawney tells them to read the tea leaves and Harry and Ron are like, this is total BS, but we're just going to joke around. But while Ron is joking around and reading Harry's tea leaves, he makes some very interesting predictions. So first he sees a blob that looks a bit like a bowler hat and says, maybe you're going to work for the Ministry of Magic. And this turns out to be true because in Cursed Child, we find out that Harry is head of the Department of Magical Law Enforcement. So he does work for the ministry. And then Ron sees an acorn in Harry's Teeleys when he turns it a different way. And when he consults on fogging the future, this means a windfall, unexpected gold. And this prediction comes true twice. First, in Goblet of Fire, Harry wins the Triwizard Tournament and wins a thousand galleons. And this was definitely unexpected because... First off, Harry didn't enter the tribe of the tournament. And when he was in the tournament, being underage and basically having a plot the entire time to be killed, he didn't really have a good chance of succeeding, and he did. So that was definitely unexpected gold. And another example is when Sirius unexpectedly dies in the Department of Mysteries when he falls through the veil. Harry's left everything. Like, he's left all of his gold. He's left Grimmauld Place. Like, everything Sirius owned went to Harry. That's crazy. I know. Like, Sirius. That's sad. Yeah, I mean, it's sad, yeah. but, like, that's, that's kind of crazy, though, like, that that kind of connects all together. Mm-hmm. Like, because I remember reading the books, and I was like, oh, that's a stupid prediction. <laughs> yeah. So next, moving on to Goblet of Fire. Harry and Ron are in another divination class, and this time they're given circular charts, and they're asked to position the planets on the chart at the moments they were born, which, come on, who wants to do something like that? That's just nuts. And then their assignment is to give a detailed analysis of the planet's movements in the coming month and how these movements will affect them with relationship to their own personal charts. So Harry and Ron at first try to do this the right way with all the calculations. And then they're basically like, 
screw it. Like, let's just make it all up. The more <laughs> miserable the predictions are, the better will be for Trelawney because she likes misery. Um, <laughs> so I mean, Dorian, that's so true, though. Yeah. Poor Trelawney. <laughs> <laughs> So during these predictions, a lot of it comes true. And some of them that I'm going to get into on the surface, there's an obvious prediction that comes true. But then a lot of them have secondary meanings that are deeper. So first, Harry predicts that he's in danger of burns. And so the first task in the Fibers of Tournament, he faces the dragons. So... That can be a prediction for that. And also, might I add that they're doing these predictions way before the Triwizard Tournament happens and before Harry gets picked. Like, this happens before they put their name in the Goblet of Fire. Um, so this is all pre-predicted before the tournament started. So, also, after Harry says the whole thing about in danger of being burned, Ron says... Yeah, you will be. We're seeing the Scroots, which are Hagrid's blast-ended Scroots and Care Magical Creatures. So they are seeing them in class coming up but then again in the third task when harry's in the maze he does face a blast ended screw so that is like a secondary meeting to what ron kind of offhandedly said and then there was another prediction that harry would lose a treasured possession and then ron predicted that he would drown and this is with the second task because Harry's treasure possession that gets taken by the Mer people is Ron. And Ron technically is tied up underwater, which is connected to him drowning. And another connection to this prediction that I thought of that had nothing to do with the Tribe of the Tournament is in Deathly Hallows, Harry almost drowns when he's being strangled by the Horcrux when he's trying to get the Sword of Gryffindor out of the pool. And Ron saves his life. So... When, when Ron predicted that he would drown, he actually predicted that twice. When Hermione came over to look at his predictions, she says, you seem to be drowning twice. So him making two drowning predictions kind of correlates to two drowning parts in the series. Interesting. That's really cool. That is really cool. Like, do you yeah. think that, like, maybe Ron is a seer, but, like, he doesn't know that he's a seer? Does that make sense? Maybe. I think so. Because when Trelawney makes real predictions, she mm-hmm. kind of goes into those trans kind of things and doesn't know she did it. Okay. Yeah. Because, like, it seems like Ron is, like, like he's just offhandedly saying yes. this. Like, it's yes. going to be, like, yes. jokingly, like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, this is going to happen to you. But, like, mm-hmm. He's seeing all of this happen, but he doesn't know that he's seeing it happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And another one that they predicted was Braun tells Harry when Harry was trying to think of think of something to put down. He said, why don't you get stabbed in the back by someone you thought was a friend? And correlating with the Triwizard Tournament, this can be seen as. Barty Crouch Jr.'s whole situation because Harry thought he was actually Mad-Eye Moody, but Crouch was taking Apologies Potion, so it can be seen as Harry being stabbed in the back by Moody, a.k.a. Crouch, but also Ron kind of predicted his own betrayal of Harry because in Deathly Hallows, he leaves him after their big fight in the tent. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, maybe like the big fight would be more of the stab the back than the Crouch and Moody thing because, yeah. like, because mm, the Crouch and Moody thing, like, that's not really, like, someone that Harry considers as a friend. At least I don't yeah, think so. Yeah, it's true, yeah. 
Yeah. I think yeah. but Ron especially is very much like that's my best friend kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like I've yeah. known you since the first book, you know. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. would make more sense to me than the first thing. Yeah. I think so too. Um and then also there is one more prediction in here that Harry predicts that he will come worse to off in a fight. And then Ron was like, oh, I was going to have a fight. Maybe I'll bet on your fight. So they're talking about these fights here. And just looking through the rest of the series, like at the end of Goblet of Fire, there's a whole thing. When Voldemort comes back, Harry basically makes, he barely makes it out alive. And Aura the Phoenix, you know, there's a whole battle of the Department of Mysteries. In Half-Blood Prince, it's the battle of the Astronomy Tower. And then Deathly Hallows, the battle of Hogwarts. So... They're talking. They're predicting these fights and basically betting on fights and to come in the series. The the whole rest of the series is fights, constantly battles. So like I'm yeah, just that's sitting here. I'm just sitting here like blown away because like <laughs> I know that this is just a theory. Yeah, but, like, it's no, it, so it definitely plausible. feels real though. It's so it makes that, like, yeah yeah it makes so much sense honestly mm-hmm. like it makes so much more sense than the theory that we're gonna go into later but like yeah. this one just seems like it's totally yes. plausible yeah it, it definitely is plausible and these are only two parts in the book that are connected to divination that Ron can be seen as a seer but throughout the entire series Ron offhandedly says things that turn out to be true and Jess is going to talk about some of those so one of my favorite things that Ron offhandedly predicts it comes in the second book so we all know Gilderoy Lockhart he's one of the most ridiculous defenders <laughs> of the dark arts <laughs> 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 he's second him. to Umbridge. He's he's second worst to Umbridge. Oh wait, no, we're we're forgetting about Professor Quirrell. He no, he's first worst. Head, so he's he's second. <laughs> he's first worst, and I will fight you for that. <laughs> I hate him. He bothers me so much. Like I know I know he's supposed to be arrogant, but to be honest, like he's too arrogant. Yeah. Um, he's And the guy who plays in the movie just, I can't deal with him either. So, anyways, so Gilroy Lockhart writes all of these books about himself, and Hermione goes, oh my god, these are like, these are true, because he says he's done all this stuff in his books, so it must be true. And Ron's like, no, honey, that is not true. (laughs) He doesn't do any of that stuff. And um, he's like, you're not fooling me. Like, he's a total, like, flake. He has not done any of this. Like, he's fake. And, uh, well, obviously we know Ron was right. But, like, I forgot that he said that. And Mm -hmm. I was like, that's hilarious, though. Like, just something that he offhandedly says. So, right right away, like, before this whole divination thing happens, we're Mm -hmm. already seeing this, like, Rowling has, like, set the stage Mm -hmm. for, like, all the rest of the stuff that he offhandedly says. Yep, yep. So, next, there's evidence that Ron predicted that Valdi killed Moaning Myrtle. (laughs) Valdi? Good man. (laughs) Okay, so, let that sink in for a minute, because this is a big one. Ah, I'm thinking... (laughs) Thinking. <laughs> Doing all the thinking. This I love this one. I saw this one um before and it's dope. I didn't hear about this. Demi is like the expert, alright? The rest of us muggles haven't heard this one yet. 
<laughs> so, anyways, so the Chamber of Secrets has the Chamber of Secrets has been opened, and Harry is the suspect. But obviously, we, we know Harry didn't open it. So Harry and Ron did some research about Tom Riddle, and they're talking about the diary. And Harry says, "I wish I knew why some did try to shuck it." Said Harry. I wouldn't mind knowing how Riddle got an award for special services to Hogwarts either. Then we go to what Ron says, and he said, Could have been anything, said Ron. Maybe he got 30 owls or saved a teacher from the giant squid. Maybe he ended Myrtle. That would have done everyone a favor. <laughs> I, love oh. that, I love how he says that would have done Ouch. everyone a favor. Ouch. That's so mean. Oh. It is. Oh. He's doing oh. a little Draco Malfoy there. <laughs> oh, Ron. Times. Ron is spilling some tea, though. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> and oh, and they just drank. Though... They drank tea. They drank tea and and divination, and now he's spilling the tea. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> oh, and all now all of the predictions are on the floor because he spilled that much tea. <laughs> obviously we know that this is true so it's just kind of like well then because Baldi controlled the basilisk Baldi 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 what have we told you okay so the next one blew me away um just because it's so obvious but I didn't think of it so Ron actually foresaw Percy leaving the Weasley home so in the Goblet of Fire, readers see Percy following Barty Crouch Sr. around at the Quidditch World Cup. And then Ron says, I don't know. If he thought we were standing in the way of his career, Percy's really ambitious, you know. And he's talking about Percy leaving. And it's true. Percy does leave the Weasley clan. And he goes to work for the Ministry of Magic. And he doesn't believe that Voldemort's back at the time of Order of the Phoenix. So he's still working for the Ministry. Mm-hmm. But obviously he does come back in the end of the books. But, you know, it makes sense why I didn't like Percy. I had a bad feeling about him from the start, and this is why. So <laughs> Interesting. So Demi already sort of mentioned this, but I'm going to talk about when this happened. So Ron predicted that Harry would win the Triwizard Tournament. So after Harry was picked to go into the tournament, the two of them were fighting. And then during the first task, obviously Harry had to fight a dragon. And at that point, Ron realized that Harry would have never wanted to participate in the tournament. So they they obviously made up. And um, Ron said, you know what? I reckon you could win this tournament, Harry. I'm serious. And obviously it was true. And it was even better because... A lot of seventh years were in the tournament, and Harry was only a fourth mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Finally, Ron predicted that Voldemort's name was tabooed. This is one of my favorite ones. I love this. Me too. So, throughout the series, Ron freaks out whenever Harry or Hermione call Voldemort by his name instead of he who must not be named or you know who. And his paranoia actually holds true in the Deathly Hollows. So, while they're hunting for Horcruxes, Hermione is putting protective charms around the tent, and here's the conversation that follows. That's as much as I can do. At the very least, we should know they're coming. I can't guarantee it will keep out Vault. Don't say the name! Ron cut across her, his voice harsh. 
Harry and Hermione looked at each other. I'm sorry, Ron said, moaning a little as he raised himself to look at them. But it feels like a a jinx or something. Can't we call him you-know-who, please? Dumbledore said fear of a name, began Harry. In case you hadn't noticed, mate, calling you-know-who by his name didn't do Dumbledore much good in the end. <laughs> Ron snapped back. Just show you-know-who some respect, will you? Uh, he's asking Harry, the person who Voldemort tried to kill so many times to show him respect. Ron was right. Later on in the book, he leaves Harry after they have a huge fight. And when he comes back, he tells them about the taboo. The name's been jinxed, Harry. That's how they track people. Using his name breaks protective enchantments. It causes some kind of magical disturbance. It's how they found us in Tottenham Court Road. Ron also says it was only people who were serious about standing up to him, like Dumbledore, who ever dared use it. Now they've put a taboo on it. Anyone who says it is trackable. Quick and easy way to find order members. They nearly got Kingsley. Ron not only foresaw the name being jinxed, he also told Harry and Hermione to show Voldemort some respect during their conversation in the tent. Later, after Harry lets the name slip and the trio gets caught, Greyback tells Ron that the Order of the Phoenix used to like using the Dark Lord's name. He goes on to say, well... They don't show the Dark Lord proper respect, so the name's been tabooed. A few Order members have been tracked that way. This is strong evidence that Ron could be a seer, because he offhandedly predicted that Voldemort's name would be jinxed to track those who disrespect him, which are those serious about fighting against him. Yeah, this one's just super mind-blowing, and I'm glad that we're ending the whole seer conversation with this one, because this one definitely holds very strong evidence to the theory. Yeah, and I love this whole seer theory because this is something that I would not have noticed. Mm-mm, I mean, me neither. and also Ron is just so overlooked throughout the series mm-hmm. that it's so cool that he actually has like interesting things to say that actually come true. I never really thought of the seer theory and after doing all this research for this and like having the discussions about all the different times in the books where Ron was seen as a seer, it was just like super mind blowing and super interesting. Um, but now Amy is going to snatch all of our wigs or our wizard's hats, <laughs> <laughs> snatch all of our wizard's hats with her theory on Ron and Dumbledore. Alright, alright, alright. Now, y'all need to sit down. There's a lot there's a lot going on because oh my goodness. So so there's a theory that Ron is Dumbledore and vice versa. So this theory started on Tumblr. It theorizes um that Ron lived out the first timeline with Harry. Um, he married Hermione, had kids, etc. And then he went back in time as Albus Dumbledore, relived an entirely new life, and was around to guide and mentor Harry through the events um, a second time around. My mind is shattered. Like, imagine <laughs> yeah, a vase it's... that fell, it's shattered. <laughs> Someone reductors just as mine. Someone reducted just as mine. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's just a theory, y'all. So so here's here's the first thing that people bring up about, and this one this one's more of a coincidence, in my opinion. 
but it kind of solidifies and like what is to come with everything else in this theory so the first thing is that uh the two characters are very similar in like looks um so rolling describes ron and dumbledore to have these long thin noses and they are both very tall and thin and both having red hair dumbledore had red hair in his younger years at least that's what What? rolling describes whoa 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 i didn't know that so there is also a scar on Dumbledore's left leg that may coincide with Ron's leg towards the end of Prisoner of Azkaban. And if y'all don't remember, uh, Ron b- broke his leg, um, but it was never specified which leg was broken. So it could have been his left leg, could have been his right leg. But if we're going to also compare it to this theory, it was probably his left leg that was broken. Because mm-hmm. Sirius which is him through the romping rollout. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? But that's yeah. that's the those Tip are the, the more. F- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's more of the physical aspects of what this theory coincides with. But now we're going to go into more of the like mental things that they both have in common. So there's this next theory that is uh, there is a reoccurring theme of sweets and birdie. And Birdie Bot's ever flavor beans. Um, so Ron and Dumbledore, as you all know, love sweets. Like it's one of their favorite <laughs> things throughout the books, throughout the movies. Everyone knows that it's like their favorite thing. Um, mm-hmm. And this was first understood in the first few pages of meeting Ron on the Hogwarts Express and pretty early on uh, with Dumbledore and his infamous candy passwords. Um, but also, at one point in the book, according to a fan on Tumblr, um, Dumbledore tells Harry that he lost his taste for Birdie Bot's ever-flavored beans after eating a vomit-flavored bean in his youth. Mm-hmm. But there is a big problem with this, because Birdie Bot was born in 1935, while Dumbledore is over 50, 115 years old. And for him, youth is a relative turn. So he could not have possibly eaten a Birdie Bot Everflavor bean <gasps> until the f- 1950s, oh. most likely even later, making him well over 100 years old, even in Dumbledore terms. So this is hardly his youth, which that's crazy to me. Oh, <laughs> oh my so if God. That, if no that way. doesn't prove that he's a time traveler, I don't know what does. <laughs> I was doing some thinking, and I was like, okay, so in the in the first book, when Harry meets Ron, you mentioned that from the very beginning when we meet Ron, that he loves sweets. But I also think it's very, very ironic that when Harry gets his first chocolate frog, it's the Dumbledore. card is Dumbledore. He obviously didn't know who Dumbledore was because he didn't grow up with a wizarding family. Right. So he sees he sees the card and is like, so this is Dumbledore. And then Ron says, don't tell me you never heard of Dumbledore. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I never even thought about yeah. that. Like, that's not even in my notes or anything either. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's crazy. I did know that he got Dumbledore as his first card, but I can't yeah. remember what he had said. Yeah. That's yep. crazy. I think that's so weird. That can be, like, the very first, like, rooting of them. Because that's that's when he first meet Ron. And really, for Harry, that's when he's first seen Dumbledore. 
So yeah, that's oh crazy. my god, it's such a weird parallel. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Rolling was up to something. Um, <laughs> all right, all right. So so another thing which to me makes a little bit more sense as well, thinking of Dumbledore and Ron as a time traveler. Um, It is clear that Dumbledore knows maybe a little bit too much. So Mm -hmm. Dumbledore does claim that he does not know many different things throughout the series. Quirrell's plot for the Sorcerer's Stone, Sirius Incense, um, how Harry would react to the Occlumency, the events leading to Sirius' death, and so on. So he claims that he doesn't know any of this, right? However, Dumbledore also keeps himself out of many events, uh, but many theorists say this is to help Harry, uh, to help shape Harry into who he is in the books today. So basically, mm-hmm. he wanted to shape the conditions that were necessary for his eventual defeat of Voldemort. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. So he may claim to not know anything. However, he tries to stay back in the background and gives Harry all this advice and stuff like that to shape Harry into this person so he can defeat Voldemort. So also, according to theorists, if Dumbledore really did time travel, um, he would know exactly what tragedies would happen because he lived through them as Ron himself and he knew exactly what he needed to do in supporting Harry because he had watched his older self do it in the first timeline. So the only way the Dumbledore would know that any of this would go down in the fact of uh, any of the wars that happened, any of the tragedies that happened, even Dumbledore himself dying, all of that mm-hmm. jazz he knew because he already went through it himself. So what really baffles me here, okay, is that if Ron lived first and then obviously Dumbledore went back in time and became Dumbledore, then Ron, like, saw the world after Dumbledore dies. So he's yeah. essentially lived longer than he lived his future his self when his future life. self came back and died. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Like, he's lived longer than he yeah. You know what I mean? That's so weird. That's so weird. It's, it's really crazy. There's so much more. <laughs> <laughs> it's going, it's so, so crazy. I'm so entertained. This is nuts. It's so crazy. It's so crazy because, like, okay, so I, when I was typing this and typing all my notes and whatnot and, like, doing my own research, I was like, oh, this kind of doesn't make any sense. But now that I'm saying it out loud to, like, people yeah. who already read the books and everything, I'm like, oh, my gosh, no, this makes perfect sense. Like, it's yeah. really, actually really crazy. The last note that I have, which is my my biggest out of everything else of theories, um, is that Dumbledore and Ron do not have any contact or relationship throughout the series. Oh. Have you ever noticed that? Where yes. Dumbledore has never had a yeah. single conversation with Ron. He has, I mean, oh. he said a couple of words to Ron, but mm. he has never given him advice. He's never had held mm. a conversation with him. He's yeah. never had him by himself. I mean, never yeah, just in once. case Ron would find out, right? Just in case Ron would find out. I'm getting there, my B. I'm getting there. <laughs> well, so. I mean, even even in Deathly Hallows, you know, when Scringer comes and gives them gives the golden trio what Dumbledore left them in his will, he even gives it he he talks to Ron first and it was like, why you and Dumbledore's will? Like were you close to Dumbledore? And Ron was yeah. like 
oh, well, I, I guess he liked me. I guess he liked me. And Hermione was like, of course he loved you, Ron. Like, but she was like playing it up, you know, but Harry in his mind was like, um, I don't think Ron and Dumbledore like were even ever alone together. Yeah. So yeah, that no, is in exactly. that book. Yeah. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, okay. So so this is <laughs> it gets it just gets crazier and crazier. The more you go down this rabbit hole, it's like impossible <laughs> to get out. This is something I typed to myself, but it is rather curious that Dumbledore and Rod had never like much direct contact especially when Hermione has had plenty throughout the series it is Hermione that Dumbledore trusts with the plan about the time turner and prisoner of Azkaban and Hermione who tells Harry that Dumbledore spoke to them about keeping Harry in the dark in order the phoenix given the circumstances of everything of the order for weeks before Harry arrived, it seems also almost deliberate that Dumbledore avoided Ron. Oh my god. What? Yeah, it's crazy. Isn't it crazy? Oh my god, I just thought of something. I just okay. thought of something that can go with the theory. Okay, so I, I was just trying to think like of other things maybe, and one is kind of the whole like obsession with the Elder One, like the Deathly Hallows kind of thing. Because like in our second episode, we talked a lot about the Aldebaran and how Ron yeah. oh picked God, it as his it. chosen Hallow. And then you know, with Dumbledore, he was obsessed with the Hallows, then realized that he wasn't good with power, but then he ended up with the Aldebaran. And at the end, Ron was like, that's the Aldebaran, it's all powerful, why do you want it? And Harry was telling Dumbledore's fortune, I'm going to put this back in your grave, like where I got it. But Ron was like, keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it. So That's crazy. That's crazy because Ron was trying to guide Harry. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, okay, okay, there's more, there's more. These are the ones that I personally added myself because I felt it was necessary. Uh, these are not ones that I found. These are ones that I came up with. Um, so, hold on. Buckle your seatbelts. <laughs> this is going to get a little crazy. I got some quotes here. So, um, so... Have you ever noticed how in Prisoner of Azkaban, Dumbledore knew exactly what to do for the time traveling when talking to Hermione? Like, I mean, it was like he has done it once or twice before. He was so calm mm-hmm. and collected. He knew exactly what he was talking about. It was weird. It was really up there. And, like, here's some quotes that I feel really back it up. There's two of them. Um, the first thing, which I think goes back to what you said at the beginning of this podcast to me, um, but there's one quote that, to me, really specifies that he's a time traveler. He says, the consequences of our actions are always so complicated, so diverse, that predicting the future is a very difficult business indeed. Which, first of all, how would he know that predicting the future is so difficult? How would he know that? For all he knows, it would be so easy, unless he's done it himself multiple times. So, quote number two, buckle your seatbelts. He says, mysterious thing, time. Powerful, and when melded with, dangerous. Sirius Black is in the topmost cell of the Dark Tower. You know the laws, Miss Granger. You must not be seen. Uh, you do, uh, and you would do well, I feel, to return before this last chime. If not, the consequences consequences are too ghastly to discuss. If you succeed tonight, more than one innocent life may be spared. Three turns should do it, I think. Oh, and by the way, when in doubt, 
I find retracing my steps to be a wise place to begin. Good luck. So, explain to me how Dumbledore (laughs) knew the time. Like, knew time this well. Like, would knew exactly Mm -hmm. how the time turner would work, would know Mm -hmm. exactly how to deal with everything, would Mm -hmm. say, oh, I would say retrace your steps because that might help you a little bit. How yeah. would he know all of that if he's never yeah. done it before? He's obviously done exactly how done many this. hours. Like, he literally knows. Like, right. like hey, Ron was there when they did it, when they went down to Buckbeak. Like, how else would he know exactly how many hours to go back? Yeah, and how would he know to be like, I feel that you should return before this last chime? Like, yeah. how would he know how long yeah. it would be oh unless he's God. already been through that time? A couple times at least. A time traveler would do anything to avoid talking to their past selves to stop from inversely affecting the timeline. Which is why you'd never see Dumbledore talking to Ron. You never see Dumbledore even having any kind of conversation or alone time or anything like that with Ron. He's trying to not talk to his past self as much as possible. Obviously a couple words, you know, whatever. But he doesn't want to adversely affecting the timeline. He doesn't want Harry to fail and defeating Baldy. Um, I am like dead convinced now. Like you've literally yeah, convinced me. Me too. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> Dumbledore and Ron are time travelers. <laughs> and oh my the god! Same person. This series just gets better and better as the further you go down the rabbit hole. So now that I still have just a bit of my brain left, um, let's do our little wrap up here. If you guys have any favorite fan theories, let us know. And um, also let us know what you thought about our discussion today. If you have anything to add about Ron being a seer or Ron being Dumbledore and vice versa. If you have any other additional things to add, let us know. And yeah, we hope you enjoyed coming back to Hogwarts with us with this conspiracy theory chat. Uh, Amy, how did you like being on? Oh, it was awesome. I had so much fun. Like, this is this is great. And also, conspiracy theories, they're like my big thing. Conspiracy theories and villains, totally my thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, you guys we'll can invite back. me back. Yeah. Well, we loved having you on, Amy. This is so fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for being on. Um, I'm giving myself a virtual pat on the back because I invited her on. (laughs) To be be completely honest, though, this has been awesome. Um, Yeah. When I was, when Amy and I were in college together, we always had like these really random and often deep conversations. So I knew that this would be like a good fit fit to have Mm. her on. So we want to thank you guys again for listening. Hit us up on social media if you have feedback or episode suggestions. And we'll see you next time. Yeah, our next episode comes out on May 8th. And stay tuned for that. Thank you again for listening, guys. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for coming back to Hogwarts with us in this episode of Lumos Maxima, the Rolling Library podcast. Hedwood's theme and leaving Hogwarts in this episode were originally composed by John Williams and arranged by your favorite Hufflepuff. Until next time, three, two, one, Knox.